Does the idea of talking about phone numbers or percentages or figures or even delivering your latest KPI report make you feel like you want to be a little bit sick or even bang your head against the desk? Now, obviously, I'm talking about doing this in English. Well, if it does, don't worry, because this is the situation with a lot of people, because it's something that people never really practice when they're learning a language, but is really actually quite essential in business. So I'm going to dedicate a whole episode to looking just at this. And this is really important, not only if you work in finance or numbers, but there really is no escaping in many different jobs. We come across these types of things. So really an essential one. And don't forget to wait right until the end of the episode when I'm going to tell you about a word structure or phrase that hardly anybody uses, but everybody should. But before we go anywhere, some nice samba music, please. Hello and welcome to Anna Wittuen's English podcast. My name is Anna. No surprises. Are you a Spanish speaker? Do you want to speak English at work really well and learn things that you can actually put into practice? Well, if you do, then you're in the right place. I'm a business English coach. I'm originally from the UK, but now I'm based in Madrid and I am an expert teaching English, especially to Spanish speakers who I see day in day out. And after teaching hundreds of professionals just like you, this is my weekly podcast where I share with you my exclusive business English tips, guidance and advice that you can use the minute you finish listening to the episode. Now, if you want to find me, if you want to put a face to the name, you can find me on Instagram at Anna2EndsEnglish or you can find me on LinkedIn Anna Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y. It's an Irish surname, so people get a bit confused with that one, but I'm not actually Irish, but it is an Irish surname. But if you'd rather hear more podcasts that I'm in, you can also find me as a co-host on Coolips Everyday English Chatterbox podcast, where I talk about lots of different topics with my co-host, Andrew. So if you really enjoy podcasts and listening to that in English, that is definitely something to check out. It's focused more on everyday topics rather than business English. So it's a nice compliment to this podcast. Now, as per usual, I like to start off each of the episodes giving a bit of a shout out to somebody who has supported the podcast. So I'm going to say a big hello to Kelly23. You left me a lovely review on Apple Podcasts. You said, please keep creating more. They are so helpful and useful. I certainly will. This is episode number 132. So I will keep going. Let's see if we can get to 200. I'm not sure how long that's going to take me because if that's one a week, that's 60 weeks. So that's going to be in 2022. But I feel like that's the next milestone or 150 perhaps. But thank you very much, Kelly. I really, really, really appreciate it. And if you want to help support the podcast, leaving a review is a fantastic way to do that. And even better, if you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or if you like or whatever on any platform that you listen to, and you send me a screenshot of that on Instagram, I'll send you a free business listening training that I designed for my students. So if you want to get your hands on that, then you know what to do. 
Now, back to the topic at hand. Every day, all of us are working with more data, numbers, figures. They're just part and parcel of a lot of jobs. Now, part and parcel is a little expression. I wanted to use it, um, but it just means it's part of. It's it's what makes that job that job. Well, it's included in that job. I'm waffling. So it's part and parcel of a lot of jobs, right from if you're, you know, doing administration, if you're a CEO, you're a chief finance officer, or if you're a data analyst, we're always using data numbers and and figures. Now, maybe you don't have to use these right now in English, but maybe you will in the future. So it's good to keep your eye on this and to know the key things that you need to remember. And if you do work with data numbers, figures, etc., then this is definitely an important one for you. And it can be quite a frustrating one. And you know what? A lot of people don't realize that they make mistakes with this um, because it's not something that people practice, as I told you at the beginning on traditional courses or programs. It's not something that people practice very much. And as I said, they're everywhere. It's no escaping this type of thing. And I'm even going to look at things like phone numbers, which are, well, I mean, actually, to be honest, phone numbers are not as important as they used to be, but they're still important. And it's useful to know what they sound like, what, how we say phone numbers, so that if you ever are in that situation where you need to take down a phone number, then you are ready to go. And the most common, well, maybe not the most common mistakes, but the biggest problem you've got with numbers and figures is being accurate. Because it's all good and well giving a number in your own language, but if you say 7,000 rather than 700,000 when you're giving details about a report, for example, or maybe you're giving a financial update, then you've got a bit of a problem. That could be a little bit confusing. Um, or if you say 98,000 rather than 88,000, again, that's not accurate. So you've got a bit of an issue there. Or maybe you give somebody the wrong phone number or the wrong email address and they don't contact you. I mean, as I said, these things are becoming slightly less important now that we have more kind of instant messaging and and ways of contacting each other without using the phone or, um, you know, without sending emails. So I would say arguably less important, but still you want to be able to, to know what you're doing in that situation. So those are the most common things that I see is people giving inaccurate amounts or different figures than they're supposed to. I mean, it could happen. You've got to be prepared for that case because numbers are quite, quite difficult. But obviously there's a big difference between 700,000 and 7,000, but it happens. So let's start off with numbers um, and, and, and figures. I guess figures is a more general way to describe it, but we're going to be talking here about numbers. And by numbers, really, we're here we're talking about amounts of money, essentially. Um, I'm not going to go too much into currencies, but um, obviously the euro here um, in the UK, we have the pound and pence. A lot of people don't know that, that we say pound and pence um, and in the plural pennies. Um, but anyway, uh, numbers, um, some of the most important things you need to remember about numbers. A really important one between Spanish and English is the difference between a thousand million and um, a billion. Well, the point is there's not a difference. In Spanish, you say a thousand million and in English, you say a billion, which is confusing because in Spanish, a billion is more than a billion in English. If you catch my drift. So when I say a billion, Spanish people are like, whoa, like relax. And I'm like, no, 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 I mean 1,000 million. And they're like, okay, I get you now. So a billion in Spanish and a billion in English are not the same thing, which is a little bit confusing. And I don't really know why they did it like that. But yeah, anyways. So that's one really important thing to remember. 
The second one, um, these are smaller things. Uh, when you're talking about numbers or when you're reading numbers or saying numbers, there's a couple of things you need to remember. Number one, we don't say five millions, 500,000. We say five million, which is different between Spanish and English because obviously in Spanish they think millones, but in English we don't need to have that S there. Five million euros, okay? Because the million there is acting like an adjective. It's not a noun. Five million euros, or six million euros, or seven million euros. Also, another little thing that people do is when they are talking about um, amounts of money, especially in Spanish, you would probably express it like a hundred thousand of euros. So you have that little of there connecting the two together, but in English we don't. So we would say five hundred thousand euros, six hundred thousand pounds, for example. Um, in that case, the pounds and the euros are, are, are the plural part there. That's the part that is plural. 500,000 pounds, um, 5 million pounds, 10 million pounds, but not 10 millions pounds or 10 millions of pounds, which is what a lot of people say when they're giving um, those amounts or, or, or those figures. One little trick that we do to try and shorten numbers, and you may have heard this already, is that when we have millions, and you may work with millions or your company may work in the millions or even billions, I guess, but probably mainly millions, um, you know, we make it shorter. So rather than saying 13,550,750, we'll say 13.5 million, 14.6 million, 17.8 million, 19.9 million, 200.1 million. So we round them up or round them down using a point. And you could have kind of two decimal points after that. You could say 15.15 million. But the most common way to be would be to say 15.1, 14.2, 17.3, for example. Now, the most difficult numbers that people get mixed up a lot, and they're actually the same between English and, and, and Spanish. I mean, they're the numbers that people always find difficult are things like sixes and sevens. People have a disaster with those. They find them really similar. And the same from me speaking in Spanish. I also find the sixes and sevens very difficult. Nines and eights, nines and fives also people find really difficult as well. So worth paying extra attention to that. The teens and the T's. Okay, so also understanding figures when you hear them is also quite challenging. So don't be too hard on yourself if you find that difficult. Um, I have a lot of more advanced students that find that one of the hardest things to do is like to understand the figures, especially if they are within text or if somebody is talking, but at the same time they're talking about figures, but other things as well. It can be really, really hard to pick up on the numbers. So it's it's a challenging task is what I'm saying. So if you feel like you're out of your depth a little bit with that, then you are in the same boat as everybody else. Um, how can you practice numbers? Because a lot of people ask me this and it's actually really difficult. There's not as many resources as you would think about practicing numbers online. However, there are some things available for you. If you go onto YouTube and things like this and you type in things like number dictation, then those types of things can help you. So that's a very, very brief overview about some of the things that you need to take into account with numbers. Okay. I'm going to move on to the next category because I want to cover a couple of things today. Remember that this is very much an overview. Okay. I'm scratching the surface, the tip of the iceberg. 
Okay, there's much more um, that I could tell you, but I want to make sure that I give you some of the, the highlights, the key points. So percentages are really useful because we use them a lot when we're reporting figures, KPIs, how much we've achieved. Um, also, when we're giving statistics, it's very common. Now, the main thing that people do with this one is they say, for example, at 20%. At 20% of people live in this neighborhood, for example. At 40% of our customers are buying this product. So we don't need to have anything at the beginning there. We just say 20% of people or 40% of uh, clients or 10% of employees, for example. But we don't need to have anything at the beginning there, like an ah or a the. The 20% of people, we don't need to have either of those things there. So that's quite a common Spanish thing because obviously in Spanish you're thinking of that as well. So again, a lot of these mistakes just come from a simple the simple fact of in Spanish it's different. You're going to translate across from Spanish and therefore there are going to be some mistakes made. What else is important with percentages? Um, one thing you might hear people say, obviously we could say 0.05% or 0.5% or 0.10%. But another way that people say zero, especially when we're talking about percentages or decimals, is naught. 0.6%, 0.10%. So that's another way that we express express zeros, particularly in this context. And it's spelled N-O-U-G-H-T, naught. And it sounds a little bit like um, that series of verbs in the past tense, bought, caught, fought, taught. Ooh, I forgot one, but I can't remember. There's another one. Um, so it is exactly the same pronunciation as those past tense verbs there, just to give you a little reference point. And you'll also find another point to remember with numbers is that, um, and we're different like this, is that we separate the numbers with commas and then the final part with a full stop, whereas in Spanish it's the other way around. It's a smaller point, but when numbers are written, it is a little bit is a little bit different. I try to encourage my students to practice in, in the correct way there. Also, it's not dot. So we don't say 0.5%. We say 0.5%. And another point that's come to me now with percentages, when you have two things after the decimal point, for example, 0.15%, we don't say 0.15%, which is actually a more common way to express it in different languages. But unfortunately, in English, we express it differently. So we say 0.15% or 0.67%. Again, it's not really going to be the end of the world if you say 0.67%. The only thing would be is that, like, I can just imagine my, I'm thinking about my sister, for example, and she just might, you know, you you hear it for the first time and you might be like, 0.67, it's just strange to hear it like that because we're not used to it. But, you know, I'm sure we would be able to work it out. Anyway, moving on. Uh, I want to come on to my final one here, which is telephone numbers. And maybe I'll just touch very briefly on emails. So again, telephone numbers, honestly, I think they're becoming kind of less and less important because, well, you know, we don't really say, what's your telephone number? I'll get in contact with you. We're like, what's your LinkedIn or what's your, I don't know, Skype username, for example. But anyway, with telephone numbers, um, we're very likely to use O for zero. You probably know that already, or you may have come across that. Um, We also love to throw in a double and a triple uh, zero or zero one two five double seven double six triple five two double two uh, double four triple seven whatever so we love a double and a triple when we're giving phone numbers 
Um, so be prepared for people to say that. Uh, also, when we have the country code, we say plus, plus four, four, plus three, four, um, plus whatever, whatever your country code is. But we say plus there um, just to give you a tip with that. Also with email addresses, the main thing you need to be able to do is to practice saying your email address. I have personal experience of this because every time somebody asks me to give, honestly, I wish I, I'm just going to change my email address because the email address I have at the moment is really complicated. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just kind of my name, but it's, it's really hard to replicate back. So I know how difficult it is to give your email to someone else in another language. And it's quite hard and you need to be able to prepare to you need to be prepared to spell it because sometimes people might not quite understand what you're saying especially with some Spanish names there can be a little bit of a confusion about whether it's a g or an h or, or whatever so you need to practice spelling your email address a horrible task I know but it's really it's really difficult actually but the key thing you need to remember is at okay so a lot of people don't know that arroba in the middle is at Okay, um, service.help at, you know, whatever.com um, or .es. Okay, you need to say .es, not s. You've got to say the es separately if that's part of your, if that's part of your email address. You can just say .com. I mean, that's universal. Everybody knows that one. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there. As I said, this is really, really, really high level. Okay. And that brings me very nicely onto my word of the day or the take note section, a word structure or phrase that hardly anybody uses, but everybody should. And the word is high level. Okay. Which is an adjective. And I don't hear anybody using this. And interestingly enough, when I was doing some research on this word, I couldn't really actually find, I couldn't find the, exactly the definition that I was looking for. So I think this is kind of business jargon, um, which I've kind of heard throughout my career, really. But I said there, if you heard me, I said this was just a high level kind of introduction. So what I'm meaning by high level, and it's a compound adjective there, what I'm really trying to get across is that these are the some really important points, but I'm not going through an in-depth kind of step-by-step -step process because that would take a lot longer um, and, you know, we'd want to do some practice together, etc. So I'm really giving you a high-level overview of some of the key things, some of the most important points, the highlights. Now, another area that we use this as well, high-level or the word high-level is high-level feedback, high-level overview, so those are some of kind of the key co-locations that I use with that word. It's like, I'm going to give you the important bits. Um, I'm not going to be able to go into depth, but I'm going to give you some of the, some of the, some of the important, some of the important bits there, the highlights. So that is my word. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that high level feedback, high level overview. I've never heard anybody say that, but it is a little bit confusing because it can also mean it's about importance really, because you could say also high-level talks, high-level negotiations, which means very important conversations that are happening at a high level in terms of seniority in a company, for example. So it kind of has different, slightly different meaning in, a, in different contexts. But in this one, what I'm saying is the highlights, the important bits, a high-level overview. I really hope that you enjoyed that episode today. I've been really looking forward to talking about it. So I hope that you found some useful points in there. And if you love the podcast and you want to get even more of my business English content, then make sure that you sign up to my newsletter. 
not only are you going to be the first people to know about my coaching and courses that are going to be coming out this year, but you also get extra stuff from me, including a bonus PDF, which is full of extra content from the podcast. So if that sounds like something you would like to do, then make sure you sign up and the links are in the description box. Thank you so much for listening again. And I'm looking forward to being with you again very soon. Bye-bye.